Hi there. Welcome to Cold 30 Podcast. Uh, this week I'm sitting down with Lackey. Lackey has um, a year and a half of sobriety, but we exchange a lot of words of wisdom. Um, it was it was a, a fantastic exchange that we had together. Uh, not only you know like is is you know like it's life story, but you know like just the reflection we had on some of the stuff you know like uh, the powerlessness and you know like some of the stuff of letting go and and feeling you know like finding the serenity to accept things. Um, it was it was an interesting conversation. You know, like it, it was uh, almost philosophical, which is. Um, ironic because you know like it was it was uh some of his major in college and yeah so i can't wait for you for people to uh listen to that um let the podcast know um you know like share the podcast uh you can write me you can dm me and uh and if, if you give it you know like a, some some nice rating on apple podcast it helps the podcast you know grow and and uh, reach better heights on the search when people do search for uh, mental health or, or, or substance abuse podcast. So without further ado, here's Lackey. Enjoy. Hey, Lackey, how you doing? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on the uh, on the uh, Cold Turkey podcast. I appreciate well, it. Well, that's a pleasure. You know, like the the um, the response I get from the invite. You know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the second year anniversary in March, but um, there's a lot of you know, like there, there's a lot of energy spent in finding guests. You know, like that's that's pretty much like the bulk of the of the work is to f you know, like uh, reaching out and finding guests. Um, Initially, it was such a pain in the ass. It would, it was unbelievable. You know, like you have no idea. You know, like you're not. You know, like no one knows about that. You know, like so, so, and especially, you know, like in my region, you know, like podcast is kind of a emerging thing. You know, like even though people would say it's still emerging elsewhere in Quebec, it's pretty much in its embryonic stage. You know, like it's it's really really early. You know, like what the you know like I've I was asked what is a podcast too many times, and. um and so I told my wife this afternoon, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of flattered and, and so happy because right now I've got, um, scheduled recording for twice a week and I've got like, um, was it, um, end of February, my next open, uh, schedule. And I was just overwhelmed by it, you know, so thanks to you, Lucky, for, you know, like being part of that, you know, like for me, it's just, uh. It's shocking, surprisingly and positively shocking for me, you know, like, so I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy that uh, you, you accepted to join in. Um, Absolutely. The, the first question I got and, you know, like pandemic oblige, um, you know, like how has the pandemic be impacting your life right now? You know, like where, you know, like, let's start by where you're located and what has been the impact of, you know, like the pandemic, either on your sobriety or even your own life, you know, because we all have gone through, you know, like kind of phases of, I, you know, like I, I, I don't like overusing the term anxiety, but you know, like it's, it's, it could be, you know, like nerve inducing, let's say it that way. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, uh, I'm 
based over here in Austin, Texas. Um, I was actually originally from uh, San Jose, California, which uh, for your listeners' information, that's uh, where the Silicon Valley is. That's where Google and all these big places are. Um, it got a little too expensive um, to, you know, for me to move out. So I'm uh, 27 now, and um, I wanted to, you know, eventually move out on my own. But um, I moved out here, uh, stay with my brother. And so, uh, in terms of the pandemic, it's unfortunately for a lot of people, they have suffered quite a bit. For me. I'm an introvert, so I I kind of like that everybody's kind of keeping their distance from me and you know all that kind of stuff. Not saying like I, I wish for it or anything. It's just um, it works out pretty well. And then um, it also made me kind of force me to start uh, doing YouTube. I I do two YouTube channels, one about mental health and one about anime. Um, and so that's kind of you know it kind of pushed me to go do something because you know as we know with um, with sobriety, it's really hard to do if you don't have a goal in mind, if you don't have some type of purpose, especially. So it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it has its pros and cons. Um, but I've been trying to make the most out of it for the most part. Um, I still, I'm still able to, you know, attend my church that I left behind over there in, um, California. I still go there. Um, and you know, it's, uh, and also it's helped me, you know, I do a similar thing to you, um, where I interview people on my channel and, so I, um, you know, I get to do, I just, you know, interview them over zoom pretty easy. So it's not, uh, not too bad, but in terms of the pandemic, um, I, I feel like it kind of just pushed me to, to start acting on things that I, um, you know, that I wanted to do. Um, you know, I had saved up some money and decided to, you know, kind of, uh, take a chance and go for it. So, yeah. And a lot of stuff that we shelf, right. You know, like the, the kind of, you know, like let's, um, I'm, I'm, you know, like I, I pushed my training to some level this, this summer that, you know, like I never expected, um, at 45 to, to, you know, like, even though, you know, like I, I haven't run a marathon or something, but you know, like I, I, I pushed, for example, like you, you said it, you know, like find a, you know, like a purpose. So, um, it was all about, you know, like the boat, the running and, you know, like kind of doing the training in my gym. And I pushed this to, um, to some, amazing level because it was kind of shelved and and all of a sudden being confined was just like oh okay i absolutely need to do something you know like because i'm forced to pretty much do not much but um i can't stand it you know like it's it's um yeah <laughs> it yeah it, it's it, it's it's too much you know like it, it's too much of nothing let's say it that way yeah, no, it definitely is. You know, I've, I've, um, over here in Texas, uh, it's not completely locked down right now. So I'm still able to go to my gym. Um, then I, I go to a uh, planet fitness and, uh, you know, I've been able to kind of do that for a little while. Um, kind of just, you know, rediscovering a lot of things, um, that I used to really like. I mean, there was about like a four or five month hiatus where I didn't go to the gym at all. Um, I was just so, you know, I was like, oh, I got to stay in because of the pandemic and, you know, play, you know, nine hours of Skyrim for no reason, um, or, you know, Elder Scrolls Skyrim. And, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it gets to a point where you kind of just, um, are, you know, fed up with doing nothing. So, you know, instead of just staying in and playing video games, I decided to, you know, kind of, um, 
you know, tell kind of my mental health story through my YouTube channel and do that kind of stuff. So that's, uh, you know, like, like I said, it's kind of a pros and pro and con situation where it's like, yeah, there are, there's a lot of bad things happening. Um, but you kind of have to make the most out of it. And maybe like he, you know, like you just mentioned, like the difference between, uh, Cali and Texas, maybe you can explain the listeners about that, you know, like, cause I, you know, like I hear a lot about this, on other podcasts I listen to, but, um, can you explain kind of the difference that you've seen moving from, from one state to another? Yeah, sure. Um, so California was nice, um, in terms of weather, uh, it was, I mean, especially where the, where I was located in the Bay area, it was great, but, um, slowly it started, especially where I was because it was the Silicon Valley. Um, you know, you slowly started to see less and less, Um, well, just to give you an example, uh, San Jose was actually known for its like orchards and, uh, all that kind of stuff. But then as the tech companies came in and, um, technology advanced, they slowly started getting moved into, uh, and then also their two way, like, uh, one way streets turned into two way streets, turned into like three lanes, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, that's happening everywhere, but, um, the differences aren't, you know, a super, amount because uh you know for your listeners i don't know how many are listening from canada but um over here in the u.s there is a pretty big uh you know political divide so going from uh we call it a blue state which would be democrats uh to a red state which would be republicans which uh, california is a blue state uh uh, texas is predominantly a red state um but i'd moved to uh austin which is kind of like the the los angeles of texas for the most part just because there's so many people here um you know if if you've been paying attention joe rogan moved here matthew mcconaughey lives here like you know there there's a big exodus uh, that's what we call it from california to texas because of the um tax situation and just all kinds of things um i don't particularly lean either way but um in terms of you know differences it's 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 definitely um I'm, the problem is there's so many Californians that have moved here. I think somebody sent me something. It was like, yeah, it was, it was a lot of Californians have moved here and they've moved here more than anywhere else in the country. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of like seeing the same thing. I will say that, uh, the barbecue is much better here in Texas. Oh my so that's God. The, oh that my is God. The best part. <laughs> that's the best part about it. <laughs> oh, the other I, main, I, main, main differences. yeah, I just told you that, um, last year for my, for my work, you know, like I was sent for boot camp training, they call that mm-hmm. boot camp training. So, um, yeah, I mean like their headquarters is, is located there. And, um, I had one full week in Boston and I had one full week in, uh, Dallas, Texas and Austin, Texas actually. And, um, I, before leaving, you know, like I'm a big fan of, you know, like smokers and I have like three Kamado Joes here, you know, like, so I'm, I'm all in on that, you know, so just before leaving, I kind of tagged all kinds of places that I would stop and try to find squeeze time, squeeze free time to at least grab a bite, uh, you know, like at at some of the places, you know, like even though, you know, like like the Franklin's, which you need to get up like at five, you know, like it it didn't make any sense, you know, like for the tight schedule I had, but you know, like I at least tasted like three or four 
I bought the shirt, you know, like I was all in on every one of them. You know, like I was like, fuck it. You know, like I'm going there to just have a blast on my, 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 my buddies were so fed up of me sending photos of my plates. You know, like there were, <laughs> there were like Bourdain-esque plates, you know, like the, 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 just crazy, crazy, too many food in there. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And one thing that I didn't know, and you know, like not, not many people know, but there's, um, there's kind of a big trend of the fusion between a, a, a Asian food and and Texas traditional barbecue food that is mm. phenomenal. You know, like so I hop on a cab and someone, you know, like I told him, you know, like I've tried a few smoke smoker smoking places and he's like, yeah, yeah, but you know, like have you tried, you know, like some of the Asian barbecue fusion. I'm like, no, you know, it's like, well, you're just a few blocks or a few minutes away from one place. And I got there and that was, you know, that was too much for me. I was like, my God, you know, like, what is that? You know, like, so phenomenal food there. The one question I, I had though was, um, did you see a difference in the state handling the pandemic? Because you said you had more, you know, like the, the, there's less confinement where you're located now. So have you seen some difference in, in, in the pandemic uh, management? Yeah. So um, for people that don't uh, that don't know, uh, California was put under a second lockdown. So they had the original one that was very strict. And then they had a, another one very recently. Um, Texas did not do that. And I'm pretty sure there's a, so there's other states that have not done that. Um, I think California, I, California is just the one that sticks out in my mind. So, um, you know, I still have friends that I talk to. I, I do a YouTube channel with them. So I, I listen to um, what they have to say about all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, but in terms of, you know, how they're handling it, I, you know, lockdowns, you know, were kind of, uh, you know, they, they seemed like a very good idea in the beginning. Um, and I have no problem with that. It's just that um, when they locked down again, a lot of uh, business owners in California that I've heard about that have gone viral have been very um, adamant about, uh, you know, that they've been following all the rules because they've also closed out, uh, closed um, out, outdoor um, eating. So it's hurting a lot of businesses because that's how they get um, get a lot of their money as well is, you know, you actually eating there, not just take out. Um, so, yeah, it's been uh, it's been very different. But, you know, over here, it's not like, um, you know, it's not like everybody's just walking around without a mask or anything like that. They're um, we're all, you know, even at the, my gym, they they have they close off like two treadmills for each treadmill so that everybody's distanced and all that kind of stuff and you have to wear a mask in the gym which is a little tough uh since i have i have a bit of asthma so um but you know i make it work the, the best way that i can yeah and you know like at some point um you you almost have to <clears throat> you, you know like you have to draw a line somewhere you know like so uh yeah. if if you know like you're gonna see i don't know like 60 percent plus of the of the businesses you know go under that doesn't make any sense. You know, like <laughs> you can't kill economy, you know, like, so, so there's something, um, that I totally understand about what you're saying, you know, like here in Quebec, it, you know, like we're, you know, like it's one lockdown after another. And you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out about this, you know, like either, you know, like, you know, like, as you said, you know, like I was initially not against it. It's just that, um, the, the, you know, like the, the, the truth, the truth is, you know, like at some point, you know, like 
too many business will go under and and um you know like especially in in the restaurant business i mean they're 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 going nuts right now you know like and they're complaining a lot about it and so you know like we're known to have some of the best um restaurants in the world actually you know like there's there's some that are world-renowned chef um one was actually um you know uh anthony Bourdain's favorite and and um wow and they're all you know like they're all panicking about you know like what, what will happen um some are i would say um economically stronger because you know like they, they were careful but you know like some were you know like not necessarily um but you know like that you know like that confinement meant uh jeopardize them and you know like they're not the takeout type you know like they're you know like especially some of the fancier ones so um yeah i mean like it's you know like they're shutting us down again um not that you know like we were but you know like it's almost like a complete shutdown from december 25 to january 11th i think you know like i'm not sure again you know like so you know, like skip Boxing Day, you know, like so a lot of the, you know, like the retail business are freaking out. Um, obviously, you know, like you got the Christmas vacation through that, but, you know, like we can't. So the, um, the bottom line is that, you know, we can't um, have any guests for Christmas and New Year. Um, that's what they're asking us. And, um, well, you know, like as this will go online, um, it will be probably the second week of January. And I can officially say that I haven't respected the recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making it's like official. a huge party, but you know, like I won't go all my holidays without seeing anyone, you know, like fuck off. You know, like that's, that's not going to happen. You know, like it's not going to happen. Um, there's pretty much a limit to what you can ask people. You know, like so Absolutely. All right. So enough of the pandemic. Enough. You know, it makes me makes me go mad sometimes. Um <laughs> I'm gonna be rewinding Lecky's tape um to the early beginnings. And I want you to bring me back to either like the first time that you used or um a lot of times, you know, like you know, like as as a kid, you being witness of someone else using that has influenced or inspired you could be like a defining moment also in your in your life, you know. Like so, so bring me back there. Yeah, so um, I'd say probably. Well, I mean, I let me just preface it with this: my my father was. Um, so for people that don't know, I'm Pacific Islander. I'm half Samoan. And my, my, my father's Samoan and, uh, uh, he, um, he got into cocaine and a couple other drugs. I'm not too sure what the other ones, but cocaine was a big one. Um, he had dentures by the time he was, um, I want to say in his forties, but it could have actually been earlier than that. Um, I didn't ever see him do that, but you know, later on I kind of learned what, you know, why dad had dentures, why this happened. I'm sure also he didn't take care of his teeth. So that is that too. Um, and, uh, you know, was a, you know, cheater and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of, uh, said I'd never wanted to be like him. And, um, you know, my first time using and also for people uh for people's information the two drugs that i had the most problems with were um marijuana and uh and alcohol 
And so uh, my first time I ever used, I ever drank alcohol um, that I can remember, at least when I first you know, got drunk was actually when I was probably like 16. Uh, it, was, it was somewhere in like uh, high school area. And I was in, um, it was actually a great experience. I was at a, at a cousin's wedding. I, you know, was, I, I'm, I, I'm pretty uh, awkward in public. So um, I ended up, you know, going out on the dance floor. There's, there's like, there, I think there's a video of me somewhere actually like dancing with one of the the bridesmaids and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm a high schooler. So, um, you know, I was just like, oh my God, this is crazy. This is, this is great. Like, you know, I, I'm not awkward. I'm not awkward when I'm drunk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a pretty interesting experience, but yeah, in terms of the first time that I did it and though, probably the, the time that really stands out was that night because I was kind of the life of the party and that's when everybody, um, you know, kind of actually paid attention to me a lot more. Did you, um, there's a few questions there. Were you already an introvert in terms of the type of kid you were? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was, um, I was very, uh, awkward at, at family get togethers. I, I remember when, um, I, I got, um, I was in drama in my middle school, um, at eighth grade and, uh, my grandma and grandpa came to see a show. I wasn't there because I signed up. Uh, they, um, just kind of put me in there and it was advanced drama. So we actually did the plays and stuff. And, um, I was the main villain of a player, um, and a main character for another play. And my, my grandpa came up to me afterwards and, uh, he was like, I don't think I've ever heard you say more words in my life than, <laughs> than when you were, uh, than when you were on that stage. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of true. So I was always that kid that, uh, usually had, um, this was before, you know, for people don't know, this is before you had like cell phones or everybody had a cell phone. So I bring my Yu-Gi-Oh cards back when those were a thing. I used to bring anything or I would just stare at a wall. Uh, that was literally all I would do just so people would not, uh, approach me. And if they did approach me, then I would kind of just, uh, shirk them off for the most part. Were you, so do you feel it was out of being shy, being, you know, like self-deprecating of your you know, your image or, you know, like, do, do you know where it came from? Um, yeah. So uh, maybe I should, I should tell this story real quick. So when I was, um, the, about a month after I graduated high school, I graduated high school in 2011, um, in May, I believe, um, in June, 2011, I suffered a pretty severe, uh, panic attack that, uh, rendered me speechless. Um, I was, I basically was speechless for like six hours. Um, I wasn't able to really talk to my mom who was about five feet away from me. So I texted her instead and told her, you know, she's like, are you okay? And I just texted her back. I need, I need help. And, uh, so she took me over to the emergency room. Um, and they placed something on me called a 5150, which is a, a hold that the hospital or a, a police can do this as well in California. But, um, the hospital put a hold on me, um, saying that I was a danger to myself or others. Um, in my case, it was to myself. I got, um, I got put into a psych ward or a mental health hospital, whatever, you know, word you want to use for it. Um, and I was there for about two days or so. And I was diagnosed with, uh, social anxiety, depression, and mania mania because I was hallucinating. I was seeing things written on the wall and I was also hearing things in my head. I was hearing voices, sorry. And, um, you know, it, uh, it really kind of changed me for the most part. And then, After that, I remember my therapist, uh, who was a specialist in social anxiety because, um, he had it himself and, you know, was kind of going through that as well. But, um, he always told me, you know, Hey, you know, you can 
you can drink or whatever. And, but, you know, be careful of marijuana because that's going to raise your anxiety and you have social anxiety. So be very careful about that. And, uh, the thing is over in the Bay area, it's a very common thing to, to smoke, smoke pot. Um, it's pretty common, um, especially over there. So for people that don't know, San Jose is right below San Francisco. Um, and, uh, probably like 30 minutes without traffic. And uh, it's very common in the Bay Area to, to smoke weed. I'm not saying that everybody does it, but um, most of the people that I was around did it. So eventually I got into that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then alcohol was one of those things that I that made me feel so, you know, that that's always a big problem with social anxiety is it a lot is sometimes it can be. Uh, paired with a substance with alcohol because that uh, alcohol is that social lubricant, right? It's that thing that gets you out there, gets you talking, makes people. Uh, well, in my case, uh, sometimes they hated me, but you know, in the other cases, they would uh, they would you know come around me, and you know, I loved going to karaoke bars, singing, you know, all that kind of stuff, and uh, you know, that was I think that was definitely the main reason why I I drank especially, and then the weed was kind of something to calm calm me down um even though it you know mostly it didn't so and um the the what was the family picture like you know like you, you mentioned your dad your mom was there any brothers and sister in there yeah so i have um i have a brother and sister I, it's a little hard to explain so bear with me for a second so i yep. have a brother and sister um my brother is from uh, my brother and sister are, are all from different fathers my my uh, i'm the youngest out of those three um so those are the ones that i grew up with and so um my father was you know um my father and my mother uh divorced when i was maybe five or six i know i was around preschool age um and so because basically he was cheating on her and uh, he had actually cheated on her and actually had um a sister that I, i i know about that you know we share the same father and um And, uh, so yeah, I, I'd never really met her. I kind of saw her on Facebook one time and, you know, I'd mentioned it to her. Um, and, uh, you know, we, uh, it, it was pretty dysfunctional. And my mom, my mom, you know, who's a trooper, she ended up working two jobs and also taking care of us. Then my brother and I are 11 years apart. So he was kind of the caretaker, um, for the most part and kind of took care of me and my, my sister. And then eventually my sister took care of me. Um, and then, uh, When, uh, when I was older, um, my, my father, uh, passed away, uh, 2017. So about three years ago. And, uh, he actually admitted to me a little bit before that, that he's probably has like, I, well, I should probably say, I probably have like six siblings that, you know, I've never met. I've only met my brother, uh, my brother, uh, from his side that's younger than me. Um, but I know that I, for sure that I have a brother in, in Samoa and I have a, uh, a sister. Um, but I'm not too sure about the other ones. Uh, my, my father was kind of a philanderer. So in that sense, so, um, yeah, in terms of the family picture, it was a little chaotic. My mom did her best to kind of keep us all together, but it's, there's only so much one parent can do, um, especially when they're working a couple jobs and, uh, you know, we're kind of left to our own devices. So, and especially when there's, um, you know, like there, there's a few years difference gap. So, um, You don't feel that it's a, it, 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 it's more of a fatherly figure than it is a brother figure, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of, uh, that's mostly what I've, 
Um, cause it's not like, you know, when you, uh, for people that I've heard of, right. That they, ha- they have a brother a little bit closer in age, they kind of think of them as like, you know, they might have like an argument with them. They might have that, but I've never really seen my brother as that I've always, you know, the one thing that I've always noticed about myself is that I seek father figures in my life. So any, anytime there's an older male figure that I respect, I really try and latch onto them, um, and kind of try and absorb, like I have a friend over in, um, uh, back in San Jose that, you know, this 84 year old man that, you know, is I met in, uh, when I was working at uh, home Depot in the garden department. And, uh, you know, I still stay in touch with him just because he's, you know, he really helped me out of a lot of stuff. And, you know, I also helped him cause he couldn't deal with, he couldn't uh, do technology. So I had to remember all his passwords and I had to remember, um, you know, certain things that helped him. So that's, that's usually a pretty trademark sign of somebody with you know some daddy issues is usually they try and find father figures on their own and they they have a you know they usually try and uh impress that father figure um sometimes to their own detriment but yeah the other question i got you know like so that night of that wedding where you got drunk do you remember hearing about it you know like meaning um that you know like all of a sudden you said you, you know like you got noticed but you know like so i guess you have memories of hearing about you know like your 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 behavior and you know like how surprising you were yeah um it was so i wasn't blacked out drunk but i was like i was definitely really really drunk um and if you see the pictures from that wedding day like you'll see me with this big smile which i didn't really smile for pictures back then um my <laughs> i had kind of a weird smile so because i i really didn't know how to smile genuinely on command so uh but you know in that in those pictures i was just smiling everywhere um but i did remember everything you know i had a dance off with a professional dancer which i i found out afterwards that he was a professional dancer and uh you know everybody actually pretty much was uh you know very had very positive uh things to say um you know obviously they were surprised you know that's not really something that i do a whole lot but uh yeah it was definitely um it, it definitely was a po- quote unquote positive experience in terms yeah. of the feedback that I had. And that's where, that's where I'm going, which is you must have taken this as uh, almost proof to justify. Yeah, it, it definitely. Um, and, you know, just to, you know, fast forward a little bit when I was doing like karaoke bars and all that kind of stuff, the amount of t- attention that I got, like, I remember, you know, maybe a couple of months before I became sober, um, I was at this karaoke bar and, you know, real dive bar, you know, definitely like one of those, you know, grungy little bars that you see in like a strip mall kind of thing. And, uh, I was singing, uh, Oh my God, I cannot remember. His name. I think his name's Josh Turner or something like that. And he has this really deep voice. So I was singing his song from them <laughs> and these two drunk older women maybe middle age were having a birthday party or something like that and they were they ended up like getting up once they heard the the you know the music playing and they jumped up they uh, came up to me and they started like dancing on me and then they started fighting like in front of me um because they were i don't know because they're trying to get up i don't really know but uh you know they ended up uh they were so drunk that they just kept on calling me josh turner the entire night who's a country singer for people that don't know and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, so I got a lot of affirmation from that and being somebody with social anxiety, you really, you really don't want to have it. You know, it's just like any, any, you know, just generalized anxiety as well. You know, that's kind of why a lot, I, I feel that somebody with anxiety would drink is to get rid of that anxiety. Did, um, how did the pot, uh, got introduced into, you know, like your, your kind of your daily habit? 
Yeah. So um, I was, you know, so mainly through friends. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I know there is such a thing as like peer pressure and all that kind of stuff, but I was ultimately the one that ended up doing it. Um, and it didn't start off as a, an addiction at first. It was, I was that guy that would only smoke when my friends brought pot. But then, you know, nobody likes that guy because he, he never brings his own pot. So eventually I got into the the business of buy, buying it. I got my medical marijuana card, which is a joke to get. You know, you just have to go to a, a clinic over. I mean, granted, now it's legal. But back then you had to just go to a you had to go to a marijuana clinic and just say, I don't know, your back hurt a little bit or something like that. And doctor just, you know, signed off. And so I did that. Um, and I got to the point where uh, I was getting pretty much high every day. Um, I was getting high at work. and. For people that, uh, you know, I mentioned that I worked at uh, Home Depot before and I I was high. I was really high at work. Um, I had to work the night shift, which was 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. Uh, for an extended period of time. And every single night I was just, I'd smoke at like 8 p.m. and just, you know, just cruise along. But the only the other thing is I should probably mention, I drove machinery. I drove all the, you know, all the things that you see in Home Depot. I've drove driven every one of them. Uh, extremely stoned and uh one time actually pretty drunk too but um you know it got to the point where uh you know i was actually able to do and also for people that don't know when you uh i I started doing edibles um almost like every other day or every day um it started only on fridays and then it started getting up there and the uh the price of edibles and weed is a lot you know it's it's uh uh, so I would smoke maybe like a little bit more than an eighth a week, which is uh, 3.5 grams. And those usually for like an okay amount is about uh, 35 to $40. It's usually like $3 for per gram. So that's why it's like, you know, that kind of stuff. Or, uh, or sorry, $10 per gram. Um, so that's why 3.5 grams is $35. Um, and then that became like, I wasn't getting high anymore. And then I was just like, oh man, I got to step it up. I got to go to edibles. So I edibles, you know, they, um, I think Joe Rogan had a joke about it, but anyway, they, when they go, when you consume, uh, marijuana, instead of smoking it, it creates a whole other type of thing that just makes you like, it's, I heard it's like 10 times more, uh, um, crazy than, you know, regular pot. And, um, so I did that and I got to the point where I was doing like 250 milligrams, which is a lot, like a usual person can eat 70 and start losing their mind. I was able to actually eat 250 and the most I've ever eaten was 500 milligrams um, which put me in a hole for like a weekend. And so, yeah, it was, uh, my tolerance just kept going up and going up and going up. And even, and it, as that was going up, my alcohol tolerance also went up. So when I combined them together, I was able to get what we call crossfaded and I was able to actually feel something, which usually gave me what we call spins where, you know, you're trying not to throw up, but you're kind of seeing the room spinning. Um, so that was kind of where they kind of both, once they started coinciding together, um, I was in college at that point and, um, I was a philosophy major and I was, you know, I would come to class really stoned sometimes. And, um, you know, I, I would just do that, but eventually got to the point where I was basically drinking every single night, a six pack of really high, you know, um, usually all the beer that I would drink would have to be at least 8% for me to, you know, feel anything. And, um, you know, I got to the point where I was writing pep papers drunk, but I was getting A's, so it was okay, you know? So yeah. it was, uh, it was one of those things, but, uh, eventually I got to the point where I just, I just dropped out and, uh, 
I I dropped out. I failed out, and I also dropped out because I was afraid of what my mom. My mom really wanted me to go to college and get a four year degree. My brother has a four year degree. My sister went all the way to her master's degree, so I had to be. You know, I had to go get it as well because um, she wanted a better life for me, and you know that's all great. But um, I just never coincided with it. So you know, when when I went to college and did a did that kind of stuff, I always felt like I was very. Uh, I felt like I really didn't kind of belong there, but I did get quite a bit out of it. I love philosophy and I love um, the things that I did learn. Um, but I was drinking and smoking so much that eventually I dropped out. And for those that don't know, you know, like I, I haven't, you know, like I was a traditional uh, cannabis smoker, but, um, you know, like for the, for the few little times that I've tried edibles and that was way before the... Uh, how fancy it got today, you know, like, um, <laughs> uh, you know, like it didn't taste so good. Um, it's a complete, complete different, um, you know, like uh, I, I was about to say buzz, but it, it is a complete different buzz. It, it, it doesn't compare. It lasts longer. It's, it's actually your liver digesting it, uh, instead of your lungs. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, like that's it's uh it's completely different in terms of you know like what you know like what 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 kind of effect it has on you. Yeah, it's it's definitely um it's definitely like harder. And just to give you an example of how much 500 milligrams could be, um, I remember I took 500 milligrams and I thought I was having a heart attack. Um, I was probably having a panic attack, but I thought I was having a heart attack because I was I was thinking, you know, my heart's beating really fast and I can't get it to stop. Like, is this a heart attack? And then I started thinking, right? I was thinking, hey, what's the what's the thing that they say about heart attacks? Like, you feel a pain down your arm. Well, I started thinking that, and when I thought that, it started happening, right? So I started freaking out. Now I don't think I had a heart attack because I didn't go to the doctor or anything like that. So it was probably a panic attack. But because I was imagining this stuff, it just threw me down a hole. And eventually, I was just like, I need to go to sleep. I need to go to sleep. And you know, yeah, it's definitely a lot different than uh, than when you smoke it. So. And, and, you know, like kind of flashbacking to, you know, like when, when you, you got, um, labeled the 5150, you know, like, was there occasion where, you know, like those was any of the hallucination or, you know, like sounds and, and hearing stuff or seeing stuff that came back, you know, like, did it ever come back? Yeah, that's a good question. I um no, funny enough, it's it's really interesting. I don't know why, but I've only ever hallucinated when I've been sober. Um and, you know, I I mean not from lack of trying, I guess. Uh, you know, there are definitely uh there were definitely some times where I got really really high, but um I guess it it uh you know, and and the other thing about the hallucinations was um I think most of it had to do with how poor a sleep I was having. Um most of my hallucinations happened at night. Um, usually maybe like one o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. And, um, you know, that was kind of when it was happening. So, uh, but you know, since I did it, since that happened when I was sober, I was like, oh, well, if I, you know, if I'm drunk or if I'm high, maybe, you know, I can kind of, uh, escape from all that, you know, that's ultimately what, uh, you know, to, to a certain degree, uh, alcohol and weed and drugs are, they're an escape. Right. Um, and you know, sometimes they can, make a you know a party more festive all that kind of stuff i have no problem with that it's just for me it's uh it's you know i knew that i couldn't keep uh i couldn't keep doing it i knew that i had the personality of an addict and that i you know definitely had to stop and especially weed i mean like i never felt like um going through a crowd 
stone <laughs> ever. <laughs> You know, oh, like, it's a it's a trip, man. It is a it is a trip. I remember we went to uh, this place called Universal Studios, which um, you know is you know where they've filmed all these great things. But there's a amusement amusement park there, and I took a 300 milligram edible there, and I thought I was gonna like throw up in front of all these kids in the front place and all that kind of stuff. And I kept on, and I was there, and I it was during. So just to give people an idea, this will become prevalent more in the later in the story. But there was this. Uh, it was november so it was roughly really pretty close to christmas and uh i was walking around just eating everything that i could because you got you get something they call the munchies and and when you do edibles the munchies get like real and so i was eating cinnabon i went over to another place i went over this and i went back to cinnabon and somebody was like hey how's it going how are you doing today? Like very happy, like, and I was like, I'm good. And I looked over and I looked behind. And if, if, if anybody's ever seen the grit, how the Grinch stole Christmas, there are these people called the who's They have these tiny little noses and, uh, they were all dressed up like that, but I was freaking out because I was high as hell. So I was just looking at this person that looked like a who from Whosville and just being like, what in the world is going on? And I ran out of that food court. I was, I was done with that. So yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a trip, but I think for, for me, I've always been, uh, slightly um i've been slightly like like those kind of situations are like magnetizing for me for some reason even though i'm very anxious i like kind of losing my mind and kind of having things out of my control that's that's uh you know like i i i remember you know like the ed quarter my my parent had uh, a house on the countryside which they would go every weekend so my house became the ed quarter for pot smoking actually <laughs> so um but you know like some you know like especially you know like when when you know like we, we got to 18 19 20 um years old you know like some of them were just like hey 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 you know like we, we should go to that club and this club and i was like no no crowd zero crowd no crowd you know, like yep. crowd are forbidden, you know, like from, you know, like you're fucking up my buzz here, you know, so I'd rather lock the car's door. There's like a, a small, small, small mountain with scenic view called Mont Royal, so Mont Royal uh, in Montreal. And so I was, I was uh, living in the east side of the island of Montreal. So, you know, like the, the top we could do was actually to drive up Mont, Mont Royal and and go at the sightseeing thing and put some trippy music yeah lock the fucking doors you know <laughs> make sure <laughs> make sure to be as persona non grata as possible you know like you don't want to you know like um grab the attention of anyone and you yep. know like finish your buzz and just say is there anything to eat back at home in the attic? Uh, I think it, yeah, 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 let's go back, you know, like, and that was it, you know, like, so, um, I didn't like the, 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 you know, like big lights and big music. And, um, so yeah, I mean, like I, it would have been, you know, like I, I've been in my, in my younger years, my parents brought us to the Cali universal studio and, um, fucked up i would have freaked out for sure for sure <laughs> yep that's basically what i was <laughs> <laughs> um and so you said you dropped out of college um when did you feel that you were losing the grip on your use 
Yeah, I was, so it was actually probably a little while after college because then I started working full time and I felt, you know, some type of purpose that way. And um, I was probably, so for people, uh, I've been sober for about a year and a half um, and, you know, not too long or anything like that. But um, I, there was a weekend that it happened to me and I, the immediately after that, I had to stop because um, I, every single weekend I was drinking to the point of blacking out. Um, I, you know, I had stopped drinking and driving at this point, but before that, you know, during my college days, oh, you know, anything goes, I would black out and end up at my house. And, you know, I'd be like, how in the world did I get here? And I forgot that I, you know, and then I'd remember like, oh crap, I drove shoot. And I'd have to look at my car make sure everything was okay. Um, miracle that nothing ever happened. Um, but, uh, you know, I, there was this weekend that happened and on Friday night I got really, really drunk. Um, and at this point, by the way, I had stopped smoking marijuana. I've been clean off of marijuana for three years, three or four years. Um, what has made and, you stop? Um, so I, I made a, I made a deal with, uh, I am religious. So I made a deal with God and I, I kind of said, uh, uh, cause I was working at home Depot at the time and I was having a real big problem with one of the managers. And, um, I just remember thinking, you know, also it's retail. So, you know, what are you going to do? So I was just like, God, if you, if I can, uh, I can get another job, like I will quit smoking. And, uh, I got another job <laughs> at a car dealership and, uh, I was just like, you know what, I'm done. I'm done smoking. And, uh, you know, not, not too bad. Obviously the, the pot withdrawals aren't super, you know, super hard, but there, there's like a period of like maybe a week or two where it's really hard to eat greasy food. Um, you know, so you're eating like oatmeal and bananas and that, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, I, it was kind of a decision that I wanted to make anyway. Cause a lot of my friends that were smoke that did were regular pot smokers were like, yo, he's smoking a lot. Like he's already smoked like two blunts and then he wants to smoke like another one. Like what's going on here. And two blunts is a lot for, for, you know, two or three friends to go through. Cause that's basically a blunt of person and eating each one of those is a gram of, uh, of weed, which is a lot. So, uh, yeah, once once they started telling me like, oh man, he's doing a lot. Well, that's when I kind of stopped. But you know, it was uh, you know, so I I was I got off of weed and then I kind of just replaced it with alcohol for the most part. I didn't drink every single day, but at least like every you know once every other day. And then on the weekends was just no holds bar for my liver. And so uh, you know, one weekend I went over to a friend's house. I Ubered over there. Um, I was done drinking driving at this point, so I thought I was you know responsible. I was good and. Um, we went over to one of my friend's house who, and, uh, you know, they were, they were smoking weed next to me. I was, I was pretty far away. And so, um, one of our friends was a, uh, Marine, uh, he was in the Marine force and, uh, he, uh, you know, he was just super drunk and super stoned and I was pretty drunk. So, um, you know, sometimes what happens with when there's two men and they think that they're macho, um, I had done martial arts before. And so he'd known about that. So we kind of like started sizing each other up uh, screaming and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, we ended up kind of tussling, but it wasn't like a full on fight. It was, you know, it was jujitsu grappling, that kind of thing. And, uh, I, you know, I remember during the jujitsu or during the grappling, like I would just black out because I was so drunk. And I'd like, I'd, I'd like wake up and I'd be like, Oh yeah, that's right. That's what we're doing. And let's start grappling again and do that. And I guess we were going for a good amount of time, but anyway, um, a lot of the, the girls didn't feel very uncomfortable. Uh, they felt very uncomfortable. Um, a lot of my friends felt really uncomfortable. And so, um, afterwards, uh, I just remembered, uh, 
feeling like so much regret but i was like oh yeah no this is this you know it's fine you know no no big deal and then the next day i got really drunk and um you know and then i ended up actually driving my car to a you know carl's jr you know fast food joint and uh i didn't even remember driving i was just like wait how did i wait when did this happen and i it wasn't even i was drunk already i was blacked out drunk and so to the point where i actually just drove my car it was just instinct and after that i was like you know what i've got to stop this is this is enough i and then later on down the road i ended up uh hearing one of my friends who was in that kind of circle of friends who you know stayed really good friends with me thank god um kind of told me like yeah you made a lot of people uncomfortable and they are um i don't know you know how many of them actually are like you know, forgiving this, you know, you made them feel really, uh, you know, threatened, um, in the sense that, you know, me and this other guy, were just kind of machoing it up all, all over the place. So after that weekend, I just decided to stop and I've never actually been to like a 12 step program or anything like that. I literally just stopped, um, just because of the shame. So, and did, you know, like we, we, we've started the podcast by talking about a sense of purpose, when you know like when when you initially stopped was you know like i guess you know like the one of the main goal was to stop being awkward <laughs> you just talked yeah. about this um but um, yeah that's that's a good that's a good question i i mean the thing is about social anxiety is like it it's always with me like even before this interview right i was listening to binaural beats and meditating but you know it's still there um and one of the things that you never want to deal with social anxiety is just avoid social situations. So I ended up, you know, going places. Um, you know, I, I think the next the week after that, I had to go to a, uh, uh, Jay book concert. Who's a big Samoan artist. Um, and, uh, it for a uh, reggae and, uh, you know, I ended up going there, didn't drink, didn't do any of that stuff. My cousin, funny enough, actually got kicked out of that concert for being really drunk and pushing, <laughs> pushing people around. Uh, and, uh, you know, I eventually started, thinking about, you know, what I wanted to do with my life, because I think drinking and the smoking made me forget about that. Like, it was just like, oh, I'm okay working at retail and doing receiving and doing this because I'm getting paid, uh, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making enough money to buy pizza every week. Like, so that's cool. And, you know, but it's, uh, you know, once you start to get a little bit older, you start to kind of wonder where your life's going, you know, you start to, wonder, uh, you know, do I want kids? Do I not want kids? And before when I was smoking, you know, I, I always joke with my friends, like if I don't meet a good girl by like 25, I'm going to get a vasectomy. And, uh, you know, I'm 27 now and I'm really, you know, I'm starting to really consider, I really do want kids at some point, you know, first I have to find a girlfriend for that, of course. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, it uh, it's really starts to make you wonder. So I went through a suffering phase of, you know, what am I, what am I going to do with my life now that I'm sober? You know, that's, that's a bigger question now. So eventually, um, you know, this whole, uh, pandemic kind of hit and, uh, I decided to, you know, I was, um, I was doing another YouTube channel called anime casuals and, um, I was doing that. And then we took a little hiatus off cause I was drinking and smoking a lot. And, uh, once I got sober, I was like, guys, we need to, we need to do this channel. And then a month into that doing, uh, restarting that, um, I ended up saying, you know what, I really want to do a mental health channel. I don't know how good it'll be, but you know, whatever. So I did, I started my other, my other YouTube channel called mental health casual. And, um, you know, I just reached like 51 subscribers recently and I was, you know, it was, it kind of blew me away. Cause I was like, man, I remember when I started with three subscribers, just from, uh, just from that stupid recommendation page on YouTube, giving them like recommendations for, 
you know, off of the randomest videos, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey, but, uh, I, I kind of just realized that my purpose in life was kind of telling my story. So people didn't make the same mistakes that I did. And even if they did that, they have uh, some type of hope, um, you know, that somebody's gotten, uh, well, gotten somewhat out of it. Um, you know, uh, so that's kind of, uh, kind of where I started finding my, my purpose in, in life. Did, um, what you know like what benefit have you gained from um having those discussions with people that are have gone through or are going through similar stuff that you're that you do oh man well on my mental so i call them uh, mental health chats that i do on my channel and uh you know it's it's interesting you know even though i could be talking like i i always reference this one because very recently i had um a real big fit of anger um, because I had an interview with somebody and afterwards I was like, you know what? I feel like I didn't stick to the script. Like I, I usually write down like three pages of notes. I do this, I do that. And I felt like I went off the script because, you know, she was, uh, she was roughly around my age and, you know, I was just really interested in, um, in her story because it was, you know, she has been, you know, kidnapped and uh, sent to a, like a boarding school. I was like, Whoa, this is crazy. So I kind of just went off the rails in terms of my, um, interviewing technique. And, uh, I remember just afterwards, um, one other thing that I used to do was I used to punch walls, um, to relieve some of the anger that I had. And, uh, I remember just looking up at the wall and just thinking about my hand going through it. And then I started kind of spiraling down. And, uh, one girl that I had on here was, uh, on, uh, my mental health chat was, uh, you know, it suffered from bipolar one, which, uh, bipolar one is, uh, basically where you have fits of, um, like mania, um, and then there's bipolar two, which is fits of depression. You have much more depressive episodes and main manic episodes. And, uh, you know, she had, uh, I'd seen a video from her, like, I think a week before, and she just like dyed her hair red and uh, she dyed her hair because she went through a manic episode and she kind of said in there, you know, you will relapse when you do, when you're bipolar, like that's just a normal thing that happens. Um, but you have to kind of move on and, you know, she wasn't talking from an alcohol, uh, alcohol sense, sense, but I was thinking about that in terms of my anger. I was like, you know what? I do have a lot of anger that I'm still kind of dealing with. And when that kind of happened, I was like, oh man, like I kind of relapsed in my terms of my anger. Cause I've been pretty calm ever since, uh, you know, I stopped drinking and smoking, but I've been kind of also living this, uh, you know, we kind of talked off air about like these people that are like sober, but they're also like, I, I'll, I'll I'll say this in my own words, like they kind of seem like squares. Like it's like who wants to be like that guy, um, or yep. that girl, or you know that kind of thing. But um, you know, I was just like uh, I just remembered, you know, kind of getting on my high horse because I was sober and all that kind of stuff. But I kind of forgot about the other things that I was working on as well, which is my anger, um, dealing with you know all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, talking to her really helped me with that. And you know, I talked to another guy that had trouble with intrusive thoughts, and I was like, oh thank God I'm not the only one. Like, that's really awesome. And, you know, so it, it's, it's really helped learning from other people with different mental illnesses because they all have, um, it's kind of a similar story, but also different fixes. And sometimes those fixes can be used in your own, uh, in your own life too. And, um, the, the, the effect of that anxiety, you know, like that, that, that diagnosis that you got, is there, you know, like, is there something, you know, like, except, you know, like, beside, you know, like, not using alcohol or drugs, but, you know, like, is there anything else you can do to, um, you know, like, to, to heal from that, you know, like, or, or, or it's going to be with you pretty much all of your life? 
Um, it's it's pretty much with me. Um, it's kind of more of what I do is not to like relieve it or not to sorry not to cure it like completely. It's to kind of realize that I like I ha- I'm like a nervous wreck before any interview that I do. But it's like during the process, like you know, right now I'm not super nervous, but like before this, I was just like, oh my god. After this, I have to call. I have to remember because. There's like three or four stages in social anxiety, um, probably in any, any anxiety, but um, there's like the before stage where you feel anxious going through the event or going to the event. There is the anxiety during where you have the anxiety during the event. I actually don't get that anxiety during thing. I get the, but I get the, the before of the event. I don't get it during, but after the event is when I ha- I hit like my rock bottom where I'm just like, you know, kind of like I had mentioned before, I was kind of thinking about hitting the wall and my head just kind of started turning down because I was judging my interview and I have to go edit it and listen to it again and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. So um, it's mostly just kind of learning to um, minimize, you know, like uh, minimize the effect that it has on my life, you know? So if I had let it kind of, if I keep, if I let it, you know, kind of take over me, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't have uh, messaged you. I wouldn't have, you know, done certain things. I wouldn't be doing a YouTube channel. Um, so it's just, uh, I just make sure that it doesn't stop me from doing the things that I want to do. And the other thing that, you know, like I had kind of a flash of, you know, like I was the wall punching type as well. You know, like I, I used to, you know, like do that. Um, do you need... You know, like that's it's going to be an odd question I'm going to ask, but um, do you need to have and need may may not be the right word, but um, you know, like is this is, is there a part of a spectacle around that? You know, like and I mean, you know, I don't want to be, you know, like hurting anyone's feelings here. You know, like at all. I'm just saying that you know, like I used to do that for almost for the performance of it Mm. because Mm. it was my ego talking so you know like showing off by you know like punching through a wall you know like there was something around kind of the bravado and the you know i hope you understand what i'm saying here oh yeah no i I totally get you um i was a little bit different because one of the things that really triggers it is um that i've noticed at least very recently actually is um the the my dad had a really good um, he was really good at making me feel small. I'm so for people that, you know, obviously you can't see me, um, but I'm uh six, three and, you know, probably 280 pounds, something like that. Um, and you know, I, I, I constantly feel small. I have a real big self-esteem issues. And, you know, my dad, um, when I was, uh, graduating high school, one of the things that actually triggered that event, um, and me punching walls and stuff was him, um, you know, I said I was going to San Jose City College, which is a community college. Um, so, you know, a two year and he was asking, you know, why aren't you going to San Jose State? And that was enough to set me off, which uh, San Jose State is a university. And um, it was enough to set me off. And it got to the point where I was like, you know what, I need to punch something, but I don't want to hurt somebody. I'd rather hurt myself. And so I got to the point where, but I also, but yeah, there is a little bit of that spectacle, right? Because, you know, I, I would have the the scars on my hand and the, the that was kind of like a victory in and of itself, right? The bloody knuckles, you know, I yeah. felt like I was getting tougher and I was just punching something that just couldn't punch back. And I was imagining his face on it, but yeah, there's definitely a little bit of that. And, you know, uh, I definitely have the scars still to this day, but yeah, there's definitely a part of that where it, you kind of want attention from it. 
Yeah, exactly. And you know, like I, again, you know, like I didn't want to, I was kind of careful with my words because you're like, I know, you know, like I know that, you know, like in my case, it came from ego, right? You're like, it came from, um, I'm so angry. I'm going to show off how pissed I am, you know, (laughs) (laughs) which is odd, but you know, like I, 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 I had to know, um, so what, you know, like what would be kind of your, um, healthy routine to make sure that you don't fall into the substance use traps? Mm. Yeah, I, um, so one thing that I've noticed about myself is I'm not one of these people. So, you know, one thing that I learned when I was, you know, kind of reading books like Eckhart Tolle, who's, um, you know, kind of spiritual uh, per- kind of person. Um, yep. He was on like Oprah Winfrey show and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one thing that I realized, I was like, you know what? I am not like this guy because I I don't live in balance. I really don't. I, I live in the extremes. That's kind of how I am. Um, and so I kind of live the rest of my life in a pretty extreme way. So I'll just to give people an example, like I eat once a day. Um, Monday through Monday through Friday, I eat once a day. I eat, you know, very basic, you know, potato, egg, um, pound of, uh, meat. Um, and I only eat that in the morning. Um, and I think some oatmeal as well. And then, uh, I eat that only in the morning. I don't eat anything else the rest of the day. I only drink one cup of coffee and I drink water the rest of the day. Um, and it's, it kind of, um, and I did that because I was eating so much. I was, you know, ballooning up, you know, obviously the pandemic's happening. So, um, you start to balloon up a little bit, but I ended up, uh, ballooning up and I was just like, you know what? I got to make a deal with myself. I like to feel full. I love to feel full. And here, here I am just feeling full like three times or four times a day. Why don't I just feel full, like really full one time a day. And then I just won't eat. And eventually it got to the point where I was able to eat like healthier food where I wasn't eating like pizza. Um, And then Saturday is my cheat day. So I eat like whatever I want. And then Sunday I fast. Um, And so this, that's kind of my idea is I don't live in, I don't live in like the balance of really anything. Like that's just kind of my nature. Um, And the way that I don't uh, go back into, uh, you know, the alcohol trap is, uh, is kind of, extreme as well you know i started a youtube channel and it's like it's kind of has me um it kind of has a a type of uh you know responsibility with it right if i just go back to alcohol now it's like well i mean what are you even talking about uh, sobriety now so it kind of keeps me uh kind of has a liability factor to it like you know i i could um you know i mean granted it's not like uh, it's no going back or anything like that, but you know, for me, it just made it. Um, it made it very clear that I this is something I don't want to lose. So and I it started keeps us in check. Carpet. It definitely keeps us in check. You know, like there's yeah. there's definitely something around um, making sure that um, you, you you the word is bond. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know um, not that I, you know, I think that I bring any wisdom into that, you know, like I'm too, you know, <laughs> I'm extreme myself, you know, like, so it's nothing about that, but, you know, like not only, um, you know, like I, I come from the, you know, like I, I, you know, like I went to therapy, I, I come from, and, you know, like I was um, introduced to the fraternity. So, you know, AA and A, you know, like CA and all that. And, um, and one thing I did, you know, like is, you know, like, especially, you know, like with, with the internet age, you know, like I, I did a lot of research about, you know, like who is, and there's a fantastic movie, like my name is Bill W, which is, it's James Wood 
that you know like the, mm. that does Bill Watson you know like one of the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous and okay. it's a great movie um just for the sake of you know like the historical thing but you know on top of that you know like it's it's definitely the genesis of of it all you know like so wow. everything else was inspired by you know like the Alcoholics Anonymous and and they were uh, actually Bill W was actually inspired by another called the Oxford Group that was super religious um back in the days in the 20s yeah in the 20s and 30s so he got uh sober out of the oxford group but you know like um and so all to say that you know like w there's one big night he was like a straight a trade broker and uh was traveling and um one night he ends up like in the hotel lobby bar and um you know, like all obsessed about, you know, like taking a drink again, but he knows that he can't, you know, like I've tried so many times, you know, like the relapse so many times that, you know, like knows that he can't have a drink. So since he's, you know, like he's pretty, pretty much you know, like from the Oxford group, tries to reach out to churches, cannot grab a hold of any priests, um, and then start calling. And, you know, uh, you know, like my memory just like, blanked but you know like he, he finally ends up to a doctor a guy named bob um which pretty much tells him don't come to my place i'm a fucked up drunk you know like i'm 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 unreliable i'm bad you know like so please don't come to my place so like I, I can't help you for sure and bill actually says no that's precisely why i want to meet with you um and they end up like meeting and 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 talking for over eight hours, drinking a shit ton of coffee, wow. and realize after the talk that they don't feel like having you know like a, a, a drink, you know, like they they don't want to have you know like a, a, a they they don't want to get drunk at all, you know, like so, and that's pretty much how AA was born. Wow, realizing that you know like two addicts or two alcoholics exchanging you know like their, their their the state of their mind and you know like the the how they feel and you know like opening up their hearts and exchanging made them for some fucked up unknown reasons make them not want to have a drink and so they started going to psych psychiatric reward ask for the the their worst case of alcohol poisoning and you know like um especially you know like you can reach stages of you know like delirium and there's another one that has like a russian name i, I would say you know like that you know like that's kind of the next level um and so they would ask for you know like their worst case of you know like of drunks in in psychiatric ward and um would you know i kind of have him join some meetings and and um and would save people's lives just by talking together and wow. and so after that you know like for sure you know, like some of the foundation you know like there was a lot of stuff that was written and you know like the 12 steps and all that but you know like initially it's pretty much like two people that have substance abuse problems that just talk and um and we don't you know like pretty much you know, like my, my sponsor which is 79 has 49 years sober would probably have an explanation for it but you know like for still still to this day for me um you know like they ask you to find kind of you know like a an higher power 
defined by your own self, you know, like, and for me, you know, like this is it, you know, like that, you know, like there's something that I cannot explain, uh, of two people that, you know, like at some point in their life, you probably wouldn't have lent a penny, um, because they were either, you know, like they would steal it or f sell it for drugs, you know? Yeah. Um, but through talking together and, you know, like kind of, you know, like, uh, sharing their state of mind, uh, don't feel like like using and um and that's pretty much what the podcast does you know like for me you know like it's just you know like you know like without any pretension but you know like it's it's going back to 1930 something two drunks <laughs> talking together and just like wow you know like <laughs> I, I don't want to have a beer you know like i'm good you know like so um so you know like it, it probably most probably causes the same effect on you, which is like when you finish recording, you probably don't feel like using it all. And there's like the, it's not even pressure. It's just the honoring, you know, like the subject matter that you're treating. Yeah, no, it's definitely, um, you know, I mean, that that's a great story, by the way. Um, and I think it, uh, I, I always relate this because I, I used to do um, MMA, mixed martial arts. And uh, one of the things that, um, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things that I uh, learned from it was, you know, in jujitsu, it's, you know, it's mostly ground fighting. And one of the things that I learned very early on is that being on your back wasn't like a, a like it wasn't a big deal which in, in, you know, if you come from America, you watch, uh, American football and, you know, once somebody gets tackled at the end of the play, they go back and they do that kind of thing. If you watch wrestling, um, sorry, uh, like real wrestling, not, not the WWE or anything like that. You know, once somebody's down, they pin them, you know, that's, that's it. Um, in jujitsu, that's only the beginning, right? And if you're on your back, there's actually a whole bunch, a slew of options, but one of the things that you learn very early on is leverage, but also using the ground to kind of uh, push yourself up, you know. Um, and when I started kind of getting into that a little bit more, I started kind of using it as a metaphor for um, reaching rock bottom, right? Like you're flat on your back, you've hit rock bottom, um, but you use the floor to get back up. You know, there's something in, there's something beneath you. Um, to help you, you know? And so when, uh, but it's not over, you know, you don't have to just stay at rock bottom. You can, you can go back up, you know, as long as you, as long as you fight for it, which in jujitsu, you know, you have to fight pretty hard because you're on the bottom. So you have to use tricks. You have to use techniques. You have to use, um, you have to use misdirection, right? You have to, you know, you have to use different, a slew of things because, you know, one way doesn't always work just like in rock bottom, like, right. Right. If, uh, do you hit rock bottom and I hit rock bottom? We probably have to do different things to get out of that situation. Whereas, you know, some people that hit rock, uh, some people that hit bottom in jujitsu, they can just muscle their way out. Whereas some other ones that are smaller have to figure out um, how they can do, uh, how they can get out of that situation or if they even want to leave because there are also submissions that can happen off of your back. So, um, but, you know, it's, it's still a, a way of getting out. So it was, a, I feel like learning martial arts was a really good metaphor for, um, for, you know, my life. Cause you know, life is kind of, a, it's a fight for the most part, right? You're pretty, even though we don't live in, um, you know, the, the wild, uh, you know, the wildlife or anything like that, we still live in a world where, um, you know, even though you take the, the, the physical threats out, like the threats that are right in front of you, you still have the threat of yourself. Um, it pretty much in every single one of us. And we're seeing that in the pandemic, right? Even though there's this existential threat, we're all getting pushed inside, right? 
But then we have to face the inside of us. We have to face our hearts that we probably haven't been paying attention to because we've been dealing with the nine to five. We've been dealing with the um, everyday routine. We've been looking at this, looking at that. But, you know, it's uh, once you once you get that kind of uh, routine and structure away, you start to really, you know, you really start to see what's in your own heart and what you've neglected for so long. So that was kind of, uh, you know, one thing that I, I learned a lot from martial arts from. And, and, you know, it, it makes me think about a few things, you know, the first one is, um, the only asterisk I would put to your metaphor is, um, in, 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 in the terms of our own life, rock bottom, at some point we need to define what is our own rock bottom. Yeah. Meaning that, um, you know, like there, there's no, it's a bottomless pit if you let it be, um, and you're like, you end up either just fucking killing yourself or you go just crazy mad. Right. Um, and you have to kind of define your own bottom at some point during that spiral down. If you don't, you're not going to go, you know, you're not going to live through it. Um, and the second thing is um, the, the, the idea of, you know, like uh, finding... And you talked about this, you know, like the, the balance and not being balanced or whatever. But, you know, like I think, you know, like even in your extremes, you, you know, like you're finding balance through it. Yeah. You know, like it's pretty balanced what you just explained, you know, like in terms of your, you know, like your your nutritional habits, for example. They're pretty freaking balanced. They're some may call weird, but they're balanced. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly what you're eating tomorrow morning. You know, like, so, you know, like there, there is something to kind of, uh, almost, um, there's something calming about this, you know, like there's something about, you know, like the, it's no, um, mystery, you know, like, and, 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 and so, um, again, you know, like as for the battle aspect of it, you know, like you, you, you know, like you, we decide what we, you know, like we, de we define as a battle, um, and at some point we need to kind of let go, you know, like, cause you know, like it's, it's, it's so tenuous to keep, you know, like kind of your, your ends up and expecting, you know, life to fuck you up. And, you know, like it's, it's, it's too much, you know, like it, it is too much, you know, like, so, you know, like, um, admitting being powerless over a lot of stuff, you know, like, hence why the, you know, like the, the serenity prayer is so you know, grant me the serenity yeah. to accept the things that I cannot change. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Just that first sentence, you know, like it's, it's, you know, like it's, it's, it's a work. It's the work of a full life. Serenity to accept things that I cannot change. Man, I'm a master of control. Fuck the serenity. I have, <laughs> you know, like I can't, I still can't. And I need to constantly remind myself, can I control that? No. Well, okay. You know, I like, can, and, and you know, like I'll, I'll I'd, I'd say more than once on a daily basis that I need to kind of step back and, you know, like unclenched my teeth and unclench my fists yeah. and just go like, okay, you know, like I'm, I'm just powerless over that. You know, like there's nothing I can do. You know, like I could cry shit my pants and whatever I do, it's not going to change. You know, like, so, um, yeah, I mean, like, so, so, you know, like I, I, 
the image you brought up, you know, like our, you know, like uh, our just, you know, like at some point you need, you know, like you almost need to, even though you understand, like, you know, my 2020 was probably, you know, like on top of the pandemic was probably one of the worst year of my life. You know, like I, I explained this on, you know, like my last week's um, podcast intro where, um, fuck 2020 in all, you know, <laughs> all the, you know, like in all angles, you know, like, yeah. and, and, um, my mom passed, mm. you know, like my, my best, my, my wife's best friend passed and, um, she wasn't even 40 years old, you know, like just like, um, cancer and, you know, like, just like, like just tragedy. Right. Yeah. Um, my, my, I got two kids from my first wife's, um, and they were, and they are brainwashed to a point where they don't want to keep my last name on in their name. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like they were so alienated that, you know, like they think whatever they think, you know, like they don't want to talk to me anymore. And this year was probably the defining moment of them, you know, like just stop talking to me and, you know, like, um, Ooh. Yeah. So, so for me this year was, and it's, you know, like those are all things that I cannot control all of them, you know, like, so, so, um, there's not much I can do, you know, like, like I said, you know, like I, I could, I could, you know, like cry my eyes out and scream and it's not going to change. That's, you know, that's probably what's the worst, almost the toughest thing to accept, you know, is that, you know, like I, I'm powerless over all of the things that I just described. Um, mm. But at the same time, you know, like you almost need to have like a clean slate on all of these things. Meaning that, you know, like if you feel that you, you know, like um, you haven't said everything you had to say to your mom before she passes, um, you know, like, the, the, you know, like you, you need to get rid of sh the guilt of that, you know, like, or, or, you know, like if you feel that you, you really did something to your own children that you, you know, like that could justify their behavior right now, you know, like you need to kind of clean that, you know, like, and, but, you know, like as you do come to, f you know, like your life inventory and you come to the conclusion that, wow, you know, like it wasn't perfect, but, you know, like pretty, pretty decent job as a dad, you know, like, so I'm good, you know, um, and then you can apply full, you know, like in full effect that, that powerlessness of the situation. Wow. Yeah. That's definitely a good way to put it. Yeah. I lost my, <laughs> my grandmother, uh, last month and it was like, you know, it was really rough for everybody cause she was very much like the glue that kept everyone together. And, um, I think, you know, there's just a, a certain, you know, you'd mentioned a serenity, um, in that acceptance that you don't have, um, you know, the power, um, to change these things. And, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of, um, uh, George St. Pierre, um, and, you know, uh, for people that don't know UFC champion, um, and, uh, the goat, know, yeah. the goat lackey. Yeah, I'm from I, Quebec. I, He's I, the I'm goat. just saying for your listeners, just for your <laughs> listeners. Um, I, I know, you know who he is, but, uh, you know, he, uh, one of the things that he had kind of talked about is he gets super nervous. He's actually like fearful every single time he goes out and he fights like that's which, you know, you know, he, he's the goat, you know, he's the number one guy of like, uh, at least in my opinion and probably many people's. 
Um, and just hearing him say that was like, wow, that's crazy. And when I heard him actually say that, it kind of gave me a realization that, you know, oh, I'm kind of like him because I have this anxiety before each time I do things, do that. And I was like, well, I kind of have to just accept it to a certain extent that, hey, this is going to be with me. And sometimes it won't, yep. sometimes it will. And sometimes, you know, it, uh, you know, it'll be less and sometimes it'll be really high. Um, but you know, with social anxiety, you kind of have to keep going forward and just kind of, you know, accepting that that anxiety is something that you don't have complete control over. You know, sometimes it just kind of happens, you know, sometimes for me, um, you know, for people that don't have an anxiety disorder, it is pretty spontaneous in terms of what you get anxious for sometimes, you know? Um, and so, you know, it's, uh, having that serenity of, you know, really letting things go, um, and letting things, you know, what happens happens is a very, uh, you know, I, I totally agree with you in, in terms of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, like George St. Pierre has described that, you know, like, um, that, you know, like he, he, he understands that he's pretty much powerless over the fear he has entering the ring. But, you know, like he, he, he covers with discipline and variety of, you know, like the, the, the stuff that he learns. He's the first one that he has that has introduced g gymnastics in, in his oh, training yes. routine. Oh, you know, like he's God. the first one, you know, like he's the first one to have introduced stuff that, you know, like it's still to his Instagram stories. He does shit that, you know, like, like backflips and, and there's a reason <laughs> for it. You know, like there's, there's a reason why he does all of that. It's because if he you know, like as scared as he can be to get on the ring. And I don't think that nervosity is going to, you know, quit him. Um, what he does in, in, in response to that is to pretty much reassure himself that he did everything he could to be as prepared as a human being can be exactly entering that ring. You know, like, so if you, if you, if we make the analogy for life, you know, like that's pretty much it. You know, like I can't prevent my mom from dying. But, you know, like I can do everything in my power to make sure that, you know, like when she passes, I'm going to be in peace, you know, like, and, and, and same thing with, you know, like right now, you know, like my dad just wrote me, um, about, you know, like what were, you know, like I told you that, you know, like we can't visit, you know, mm -hmm. pretty much no one. And you just wrote me, um, what are you going to do for the holidays? You know, like just like <laughs> he's gone fishing, you know, like just to see if I... And sure enough, you know, like I'll be there with my son and, you know, like with my, my youngest son. And um, yeah, I mean, like, so, so how do I, you know, like prepare myself over something that I cannot control, um, which is like the state of my dad, you know, like spending his first Christmas without his wife. Um, it's just to be around him and, you know, like make sure that, you know, like, he, you know, like I don't feel any regrets and not having seen, seen him enough, you know, like, and, and all of that, you know, like, so... Oh, you know, like deep subject, my friend, deep subject. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other thing, you know, like I try to keep it as simple as possible. You know, like even though we can describe it as we did, we just did for the past 20 something minutes. Um, I try to keep this as simple as possible. Oh, you know, like, can I control that? No, fuck it. You know, like that's, I cannot control it. You know, like there's nothing I can do about it. So be it, you know, I like, can, and, and move on. Um, I can control how much I train because, you know, like if I look at myself in the mirror and I call myself a fat fuck every single day, you know, like there's something I can do about the fat fuck that I see in the mirror. You know, I can train, I can run and, and eat better. Um, 
and that's what I can change. Um, you know, like and and have a control over my perception. I have control over that, but you know, like that, you know, like there's there's action that I can apply, and and that's going to change that. Um, and then, you know, like I, I become way more pragmatic about stuff, you know, like, so move, buddy, you know, like you, you, you don't like yourself, move, you don't, you know, like you don't like that situation, do something about it, you know, like over what you can do something about. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty much, <laughs> that's a, a small conclusion to a long conversation about, you know, like trying to explain things. Um, <laughs> Lackey, I have to thank you for uh accepting to be part of that um it oh, is boy. it is a it is a pleasure doing that you know like i pretty much explained you know like through the you know like the the um, creation of you know like alcoholics anonymous for me you know, that you know like that and I, I i didn't know that when i started the podcast but it's realizing how much good it had on me even more so that, you know, like I, I do get, you know, like every once in a while, like people reaching out to me telling me that it, it has, you know, like great effects on them. But, you know, like it's, it's, um, that's great. Yeah. I, I'll say egoistically that it has fantastic, you know, benefits for, for me and doing that, you know, like so, uh, and I thank you for being part of that. Absolutely. It's an honor to be on. Hey, so take care. Last question I got for you. Yeah. I almost forgot. Yeah, no worries. Where can people find you? Where can, you know, like, is there, you know, like, are, what's your presence? You talked about your blogs. You talked about, you know, like your YouTube channel. Um, how can people find you? Yeah. So I have two YouTube channels. If you want to check it out, there's um, Anime Casuals. Uh, no, the, there is actually another YouTube channel with that name. So we're just Anime Casuals. Um, my mental health YouTube channel, which I had mentioned before, is called Mental Health Casual. Really easy to find on YouTube. If you just look that up, um, you can find me. I'm a, I have a full beard and, you know, Afro and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, Mental Health Casual. Um, I also have an Instagram uh, under Mental Health Casual. You can find me on there as well. Um, and besides that, I don't really have too much of a, a social media presence. So, uh, yeah, you guys can check me out on there and, you know, I'm more than welcome to, to any of any of those ones. So perfect. And for those that listens, as every week I mentioned, Lackey's going to send me all of that stuff. Uh, and it's it, it has been provided in the description of the episode. So uh, no worries. Don't go run for pen and paper and hurt yourself. <laughs> it's all it's all at the bottom if you scroll down. Whatever platform you're listening it to. Um, thanks again, Lackey. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, Alex. Take care. Yeah, Bye. You too.